Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Dog Will Eat My Face. In uh, this week's podcast, I again am going to have to apologize. My voice tends to get weak and uh, sound more and more like I'm an old chain-smoking Reno hooker the more I talk. <laughs> Uh, it's been a it's been a continuous issue for weeks upon weeks, only seemingly getting worse. Um, my guess is it's just the natural progression of my body getting weaker and weaker as I uh, endure this stubborn decline from uh, congestive heart failure. But be that as it may, I did want to talk about something a little bit on the uh, touchy, ooey, gooey feeling side this week. (laughs) But actually, it's also something that I found to be incredibly rational and effective when living one's life when trying to get things done that are reliant upon others as so many things are in our day-to-day lives. No man is an island is the old saying and that cannot be true any more than today's very multifaceted society. So that being said, I wanted to talk about, I guess, an important life lesson that I have learned in this regard. And I know it's going to sound like, it already does sound like, that this is coming from some old guy somewhere giving worthless advice to a bunch of kids on a bus or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, I figure I guess I'm old enough to qualify. I don't know. Does 45 count? Sure. So let's run with it. <laughs> anyway, um, So, yeah, it's going to sound a little bit like an old guy. And and also consider that this advice is coming to you with your uh, exact payment of zero dollars and zero cents. So it may be as valuable as what you pay for. But that all being disclaimed on the uh, onset, I, I did want to share something important that, that I definitely have learned in life. And I could summarize it with pretty much a simple phrase of say to people what they need to hear when you have the opportunity to say it. And 
It does sound a little bit like an old cliche, I think. But I don't think I was ever told that as a kid in hindsight. Maybe I was, I don't know. And it's something I don't hear much about echoed in today's media or from others. But it's, it's really something essential that I've learned that you absolutely must actually say to people what they need to hear when they need to hear it. And that can mean a lot of different things. Unfortunately for most of us, it's been whittled down to telling people off or yelling at them when you feel like it. <laughs> and you know, that that's important, sure. But giving emphasis only on the negativity is just an unfortunate evolutionary advantage that I think we've inherited from our African ancestors. I mean, if you look back past, oh, I don't know, to maybe half a million or more years ago, and it's not even quite Homo sapiens yet, we were just a bunch of African apes. <laughs> Uh, trying to live on the savannas and in the rainforests and other zones in Africa. And becoming bipedal was partly advantageous because you could stand up on savannah and look all around and see for a distance. Also, it freed up two additional limbs to do other things, like build something, or throw a rock, or throw a spear, or climb a tree, whatever. But another uh, vestigial feature in our brain is we easily remember negative events more easily and more profoundly than the positive. And that's simply because, of course, it was an evolutionary advantage. Because, unfortunately, our survival back in the days when we were not necessarily the the apex predator that we were to become yet, Remembering negative occurrences was extraordinarily important for survival. So you would retain and recall those more easily than positive experiences. So you're more likely to learn what doesn't work more so than what does work. And our brains are still 
I guess, configured in this vestigial form today. And and like I said, for good reason. Uh, It is very much so uh, an evolutionary advantage because an animal that's remembering negative consequences and events more profoundly than anything else are thus less likely to do them again. It's, it's just a simple survival issue, you know. So, I know a lot of people today wonder, gosh, we sure do tend to remember negative things more so than positive things. And a lot of people have tried to tackle that with philosophy or religion. But I think more recently we're getting to the... Uh, Understanding that it's just part of our human brain. And it's something that our brains have done for hundreds of thousands of years because it was a survival benefit to more remember, I don't know, Golly, I don't want to go in that wooded area over there because four of my tribesmen got eaten by saber-toothed cats or something. (laughs) So I'm not going to go over there, you know. And, wow, throwing a little rock at a mammoth didn't really work. It just pissed it off. Maybe I should next time throw a spear or many spears. Ah, oh, that worked. So anyway, it's it's an evolutionary simple advantage to remember negative things more so than positive. And so we're more apt to tell people when they screw up. <laughs> Or to have road rage. That's a great example of this. Have you ever stopped a driver and just complimented on their three-point parallel parking job on a busy street or something? No. They think you're a crazy person. They'd look at you or just shoot you because they're terrified that this is some sick joke or something. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you should do that and see what happens and put it on YouTube. Just give compliments to people and see how they react. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's actually a good idea for a YouTube experiment. But anyway, it's, it's nothing to do with gods and philosophies or anything that elaborate. I think more so scientists today believe it's just an evolutionary survival advantage that's left over from our from our previous days when we needed to do things much differently to survive day to day so it makes sense I think that we tend to focus on the negative stuff when you look at it that way. 
And that's why I say it's also really important to tell people what they need to hear, especially if it's a good thing. And that's not because of some silly woo-woo, it's good karma nonsense, you know. It's, it's none of that. It's because to challenge yourself to recognize that more in people could help mitigate the overshadowing of all these negative events and negative facets of people's lives and perhaps characteristics of other people. And gosh, if someone compliments you authentically on something you've done well, a lot of time, that kind of slaps you in the face. You're not expecting it. You're you're surprised. So I I think it's important to tell people when they're good at something or that they've done well. And tell them, obviously, what they mean to you if there's someone you care about. Because that will help one overcome that um, preponderance to sway to the negative. That's probably innate in all of us. But it's also important for a few other reasons, and I, I really want to get into that and uh, share a couple experiences with that uh, today. With respect to this topic, the first thing that I'll share is relatively obvious, but it's it's something that can be applied pretty much anywhere in your life, I think. And I had the good fortune, I guess, so to speak, uh, to have lived a rather long career in my life, uh, you know, some 20 plus years, in a pretty, I guess, tough area, <laughs> uh, a very cognitive area that's quite demanding of thought and, uh, I guess, versatility and from a very young age I guess I have directly managed uh, many people and entire departments corporate departments and big companies and small companies and What I learned in doing that is uh, 
positive reinforcement works many times over any sort of negative reinforcement that you may wish to provide. Unfortunately, this is a just a fact of life that a lot of managers just don't get. I, I, I know a lot of high-end authorities that I've worked with in my life and that I've kind of perhaps seen from the sidelines. And they were, for the most part, the complete antithesis <laughs> of what I'm trying to say is a good way to handle people here. They were very negative. They managed by power and fear and uh, just tearing down their direct reports in front of other direct reports. I mean, to me, that's just terrible. I, I, I hate that form of leadership with a passion. And Oh my gosh. Who in the world would ever say, oh, I'd love it when my manager tears me down in front of my equals. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, it's never a good fit. Anywhere. I don't know why people do it. it, it it's just so stupid. Because it's just going to make animosity towards you and how you treat your staff, and eventually it's just going to cause turnover. Frankly, what I would always tell people in a management role in my past is people do not leave a job. They don't quit a job. They leave a manager. That is by far the catalyst to turnover, especially in professional uh, environments, which is where I was working. So, you know, it might be different, you know, if you're talking about just labor, uh, non-skilled labor, that is, and, uh, or, you know, anyone could do it sort of thing or I, you know, whatever it might be. It might be different there. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. You just probably have less skilled managers there because <laughs> they're not paid a lot, you know? So it probably just is more uh, persistent there, but certainly in the professional world, when you're working with other professionals, Positive reinforcement absolutely helps to improve the performance of your staff and even others in the company who don't even maybe work in your, your vertical, your department. 
And it, it, it truly does make a difference. When people do a good job, they need to know they did a good job. Because it's not likely they're going to hear it from a lot of people. Because as I just shared, it's innate in our character to just shut up when things are going fine. Or someone does a good job. It's like, hey, well, that's their job. What's the big deal? But then we go crazy and boisterous and tell everyone when something goes sideways. So we live in a world where most of the voices you're going to hear are negative. No matter what. So it is extremely important to counter that and tell someone when they are good at what they do or they're good at what they're doing or something they just finished or whatever it is. If they genuinely did a, a good job, a good thing, and they somehow made someone's life easier or whatever it is, they desperately need to be told that they did a good job. And every single one of us in the workforce, I think, have that obligation to tell that person that they did something well. I firmly believe that. And you're going to get the best results out of those employees as you perhaps coach them if you you know if if you're in a, a managerial role to where you can really drive them with a carrot to achieve their best performance and focus in on what they're really good at and then Make sure that they are in a role that meshes well with those skills. Now, of course, that's hard if you're just dealing with your personal staff. Not many companies... um, What's the word? Encourage or facilitate uh, uh, cross uh, career changes. I, I, I guess I don't know what the word is. Uh, you know, jumping from one department to another. You work in accounting, ooh, but now there's an opening in cybersecurity. Now you're going to go there. I, obviously, I'm making this up as I go along, and. Perhaps one of the two managers encourages it because they think he'd be good at it. That rarely happens these days. I've worked in some places where, yes, that does happen, but it's not that common. So, anyway, I think no matter what it is, we all have an obligation 
to tell other people what they're good at. So they can become more aware of what is successful for them so they can repeat (laughs) that behavior appropriately. And I think the reason why this works so much better over negative reinforcement is usually the negative reinforcement is over a specific instance. You know, it, it, again, road rage. You cut me off. You know, that whatever. In the workplace, uh, you took a three-hour lunch today. What's going on? I don't know what it is. Um, or your, your analysis on this internal audit was copied and pasted mostly just from last year, it looks like. What... What's going on here? I don't know. I'm making stuff up. But we really hone in on the negatives. But if, you, if you're not telling them, wow, that was a huge improvement over last year, or thank you for staying after hours to finish this task, or working extra hard for this project, whatever it is. You really got to thank people and make them aware that they did a good job. Because so too, like with negative reinforcement, when you're talking about a particular event, a particular incident or, or event in a negative way, If you can turn something around and and, and give positive reinforcement with respect to particular events and uh, things that they do, you know, where it's particular. It's not, oh, you're such a good worker. That doesn't tell me anything. Uh, Rather, though, ooh, I can tell you have really improved the analysis in this project by threefold or, you know, whatever it is, whatever metric. And so if you can give that positive reinforcement over something specific, That person will undoubtedly think, ooh, I was good at doing that. I'm going to do that again. And that's how you could eventually hone in your skills, became more professional, more finite in your skill base, and be more specialized, and really excel. That's just how it happens, I think. So it's beneficial not only to them, but to the organization as a whole. If people are more aware of what they are good at, they will make more of an effort to be in roles 
where that attribute is more effective or, or, or more necessity, I guess I should say. And that could help them not only drive their career, but also make sure they fall into the right roles in your broader organization. So you put the best people in the best spots. So anyway, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before, especially HR people. But my God, we still have so many crappy managers out there. It's like 80% are just completely dull to this fact. I mean, so if you give someone positive reinforcement upon a specific skill set, event, whatever it is, that can really not only help them but you will make your team look well-managed. It'll make your team look better, which will make you look better as a manager and will help the broader organization function because you're putting the right person in the right role. There's no negative effect to positive reinforcement. And that's something I've just learned in the workplace. And I was at the director level for an entire vertical in my mid-20s, mid to late-20s which at the time back then was kind of unheard of, I guess. It, everyone was kind of surprised. <laughs> You're a director of this? Is a 27-year-old? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just saying, I'm not saying that to boast or anything, but it is kind of cool. But no, seriously, I'm not saying it's just a boast. I'm just saying that, I had learned that early on and it helped other people around me. It helped my team, which helped me, which helped the organization. And uh, the rewards for that were just across the entire organization, essentially. There's no negative consequence of telling people what they're good at. I'll even give one more, I guess, quick example of a, of a negative situation that, where I was facing. And I had to somehow manage it in a way to where I could turn this person on my staff into a more productive individual. 
And if anyone listening to this has been a manager or director or anything, they will know the situation immediately as I describe it. <laughs> and a lot of anyone else will know it too from the, just what the people see around them in the workforce. But anyway, I had a direct report <clears throat> that was quite often taking time off of work on on planned time off of work for all kinds of silly things like uh, my phone was dead and I didn't know I was on the schedule and I mean, seriously, the, the the widespread complaint was, why is your phone always dead? <laughs> yeah, that was the common excuse of everything. My phone was dead. I'm like, what are you doing? Think of something new. Oh, God. But and, and also, they were missing a lot of work days. They were calling in because of their, their, uh, their child, their baby was sick. And obviously, that's a serious issue. I get that. But a lot of people are really complaining about it. That so-and-so is is abusing their time off and overusing this organization's generous paid time off program for stupid reasons. Okay, and I, at this point, I had received a lot of complaints from different departments, different managers, all around me, and actually, fellow teammates to this individual, that they are just absent. They're just they're they're not there. It's always. My phone's dead. My son is sick. My car died. It, it was just something constantly, you know, so. And it was getting very frustrating for a lot of people. And I had to somehow <laughs> correct the situation. And what's worse is this person heard about all this angst just through the grapevine with with them taking time off. So they were aware of it as well, just hearing it, like I said, just around the office, people complaining about it. So I knew that <clears throat> as soon as I were to approach this subject, it was going to be an uphill climb because they'd be very, very defensive. So I I had to think about how to handle this. And what I ended up doing is I, of course, sat down with this a staff person, staff member, and 
I did, of course, bring up the subject. And like I predicted, it was absolutely no surprise to them whatsoever. And again, no surprise, immediately in defensive mode. You know, if my kid is sick, my kid is sick. I'm sorry. I care about my kid. I mean, immediately acting like they were a cornered wild animal. I mean, not that bad, but <laughs> something like that. Defensive, yeah. And I said to them, whoa, whoa, stop right there. And I asked them, do you know why people are complaining about it, though? And she, ah, I was trying not to say the sex of this person. Oh, she is a she, whatever. No, I got down to 51% of the human population. Darn it. Anyway, she <laughs> paused, thankfully, her defensive. Uh, uh, defensive posture and I explained the reason why people are bringing this up is for two reasons one is you are not only in an extremely important role in this organization, which is true. I didn't say that term, which is true. Obviously, that's my commentary to you, the listener. <laughs> but I said, second to that, what you do here, your, your work that you do perform is very good, if not excellent. People are complaining because they want to work with you and they need you here. You're just in high demand because you're a good employee, you know the gig, you know what you're supposed to do, and you handle... All these various duties I could list out very, very well. And, well, it's, this was all true, which made it easy for me. I, I didn't have to lie. <laughs> Never lie. If someone's just as lousy, just fire them. <laughs> I've had to do that, too, but I, that's not today's topic. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I, I said two positive things that she was unaware of, I guess. She never thought of it that way and just thought of it as an attack and her response was to defend herself. But I told her, wait, 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 wait. If people aren't noticing you're out, if people don't care... Don't you think that's worse? 
I'd read the writing on the wall if that was me. If no one cared, I wasn't at the office. <laughs> I wasn't working. <laughs> first round of layoffs, I'd know my head's on the first block. I'm not needed. I'm not a non-essential employee. God, people don't even notice when I'm not here. I mean, seriously, that, that, would, that would be terrifying to me. And that's what I said to her. So she immediately said, well, thanks. I never thought of it that way. Okay. And she and I worked on a plan to get her to perform more, and that is to just become available more. Show up to work. Make sure your phone's not dead. You know, just little things. Because she was not only in a very important role, but she was also very good at what she did. And apparently she was not remotely aware of those two positive aspects of her performance and the reason why people were frustrated. And with that in mind, she was able to turn around her performance and become much happier at work and more diligent to be available to her colleagues that needed her assistance in her job role. So that's one just Easy, super example. I flipped words around there. Easy, super example? No. <laughs> That's one super easy example is what I meant to say. <laughs> Making sure people know they're good at what they do. Because that could mean a complete 180 in how they perceive themselves, how they're performing, how important they are. And again, there is no reason to not tell someone what they're good at. It is always a win across the board situation. So, along the same lines as the previous segment, but more applicable to everyday life, I think, is another thing that I've learned both in the workforce and just in my personal life. But I've always thought it to be very important to be courteous and thankful to others when they assist you, even if they're just doing their job. 
Because I think, again, people need to know when they are good at something. So even as a consumer, perhaps dealing with someone on the telephone, I know to be courteous and very thankful when warranted. Of course, if they are terrible, (laughs) which we've all had before too, I'm not so nice. (laughs) But if they're truly very helpful, I tell them that. And that's something uh, nowadays, I guess, it's very, very uh, unpopular. It's it's a practice that's largely abandoned, sadly, these days. Uh, Where people are not thankful and courteous to others in their day-to-day life. To others that might assist them with whatever it is you're trying to do, even if it is just them doing their basic job. And it kind of hit me only recently <laughs> that that's something that I guess nowadays is truly uncommon. And, and I, I think that's very sad. And and I do think this aligns with people need to know when they're good at something, even as a consumer, as a customer, whatever. You should tell people when they're very good at what they do or or when they are good at any aspect of their job or if they helped you or anything, you you should tell them. And I was kind of flabbergasted. What a friend of mine told me recently, no, people today minimize contact with others to the bare minimum and don't want to be courteous at all or thankful. And I said, that's just very sad. And it only came up in our discussion because I had some kind of back-to-back instances where (laughs) it surprised me that the person I was talking to was so thankful merely because I was so courteous and thankful to them first. <laughs> uh, and, and one example is very recent. I was talking to a pharmacy about medications and when they would be ready, something I'm sure a lot of us have done a million times. And she answered all my questions. And I said, okay, I think that tells me what I need to know. And I said, thank you, and have a great night. And she came back with a very surprised, thank you. And and after I hung up, I was just kind of like, why was she so surprised by that? I just said, thank you, and you've been very helpful. (laughs) 
And it was true. I mean, she was, she was doing that. She was helpful. But she absolutely did not expect anyone calling the pharmacy to thank her. <laughs> Apparently. And it just made her night. I don't know. Uh, another, uh, I guess, recent, fairly recent example. This is kind of messed up. I think I've talked about this before. I know I have, I think, a while back on the podcast. But I had a really crummy neighbor where I live where they like to complain about my dog going pee and making potty on a little potty patch that I had on my patio. And they just freaked out all the time saying it stank. And I cleaned it as much as a human being could, you know, and... I never smelled anything, and she always complained that it stunk, and she wasn't getting anywhere because people would come over, and they'd all say, I don't smell anything. She's crazy. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then it really uh, hit uh, the lowest low when I woke up one morning, to a knock at my door and I was surprised when I opened it it was the police <laughs> that's never a good way to wake up is it <laughs> I was suspecting we have a warrant for a search of your residence or something I don't know I was like my god this can't be good But she actually said she's here for a welfare check on an animal. And my dog, my who's my best friend, who's also my emotional support animal and cutest, bestest little guy ever. Smartest dog ever. <laughs> and uh I mean he's he's he is uh, I have to get the background that he is spoiled to the max. I I think a lot of people spoil their dogs. So any other dog lover out there would probably know exactly what I mean. He is spoiled to the hilt <laughs> in so many different ways. I can't even go through it all. Anyway, just one example. Every year he gets a Christmas stocking at Christmas time filled with toys and snacks. <laughs> No one else gets a stocking but the dog. <laughs> he loves it. He just loves going through the stocking. And he's just throwing all the toys out and the snacks. And you know, it's just amazing. Anyway, so she said she's here for a welfare check for an animal. And I kind of looked down at my dog right next to me. And he looked up at me and we both kind of looked at each other curiously. I'm like... For him? Because, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's doing quite well, I think. <laughs> you know. And I guess some neighbor said that this dog lived in absolute squalor of 
urine and feces or something like that. And they heard, like, distressed barks or something. So I allowed this police officer to come into my home. They asked me, I come in. I said, well, I'd imagine you have to to do your job. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I really, I shouldn't have been. And he turned his head. Shouldn't have been so welcoming to the police, but I guess I just—I don't know. It was early in the morning. I wasn't thinking right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, she came in, and a little backstory too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit of a neat freak. So to hear this complaint that. This dog is living in squalor is hilarious because I'm a total neat freak. And on top of that, I have a housekeeper. <laughs> Everywhere I've lived, frankly, as an adult, I've had maid service of some kind wherever I went. I, I can't remember the last time I cleaned my own home. <laughs> it's probably college. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so, I am personally a neat freak. I always clean up after myself if I spill or something, obviously. I, I try to clean up things, but then on top of that, I also have a housekeeper. So she walks in my home, and it's just immaculate, <laughs> polished, hardwood floors that you can eat off of sort of thing, you know, it's just, uh, it's just impeccable. And she's looking around, and she's like, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> I think this wasn't a warranted complaint. And uh, long story short, she even went to the patio and looked. She said, oh, that's nothing. She saw the potty patch. Like, that's great. And the dog was even playing with his squeaky toy when the police was police officer was there, and all that, and she's in, eventually the, this officer says, okay, I'll say this was a false report. I'm going to call it what it is. I'm so sorry to bother you. And I was like, no problem, no problem. I said, would you like to give him, my dog, that that is, a snack before you leave? And she just went, yes! <laughs> so ecstatic. And so I gave her the puppy snacks, and she, uh, Offered it to my dog, who jumped up and very gingerly took it out of her hand. So gentle. And he's a very gentle dog. And she, the officer said, wow, he is so gentle. He's more gentle than my dog. I'm like, I know. He's a really, really good dog. <laughs> so... Obviously, this report was just asinine and just an angry neighbor who made a stupid threat and a stupid false report who <laughs> then got in trouble for making a false report. But anyway, um, coming to the end of, of this officer's visit, she gave me her car. And I said, oh, and, and by the way, I, I do sincerely want to thank you for your service. I'm surprised the local police have a has a whole group to 
investigate the welfare of animals. And I continue to say that these four-legged little guys are, are voiceless. So it's so great for someone to be out there looking out for them when they can't speak for themselves. So thank you for your service. I really mean it. And she just was shocked beyond words. And just said, thank you. And she like she was about to cry. <laughs> she was really deeply moved. Because at the end of her visit, which I guess is not usually a positive experience, which she also said she wished all her calls, house calls, were like this. <laughs> but no one's ever thanked her for what she does. And I meant to. I'm like, that's actually really neat. That's cool. I'm glad. And now they're looking after these pets that, are, that could be suffering and can't do anything about it. Because I'm a dog lover. I like, you know, so I, I get it, I guess. is my is, And so I had to thank her, honestly. And she was just blown away by that. She, it, no one's ever thanked her. And, and she said something to that effect at the end. She said, basically, I'm the first person in her career to ever thank her for her service. So, with all that being said, I, I put that in the same category, telling people what they need to know when they need to know it. And telling people when what they do is good work or is important or helpful, you should tell them. As a consumer, as a customer, as a rando off the street, there's no reason to not be courteous and thankful when warranted. So, these have been several examples of that recently to where, I guess two examples recently, to where <laughs> just being courteous and thankful to people doing their job was shockingly surprised or surprising to them, the service provider. That is. And that's where I just was like, gosh, is no one courteous anymore? And uh, that's when my friend said to me, no. They're really not. And that, I said, was just sad. Because people need to know 
when they're doing something good or they've done something good. Even something minor. People should know that it's all of our obligations. Sorry, it's all of our obligation <laughs> to tell people that they're good at something when they are good at something or they're helpful when they are helpful. And I don't have any exception to that. So long as it's honest. But that's about it. Now that I've touched on some pretty, I guess, mundane topics or mundane examples, be warned, I'm going to get a little bit more touchy-feely here. <laughs> a little more personal. But this is really where... I think the things I've shared today are probably the most important. And I'll start off with a mistake that I made. Just a personal mistake that I feel that I made. And also with some thankfulness that I did something when I did and when I could, that I reached out when I could to someone that mattered to me. Now, death is obviously a very important part of life. Golly, just within the last few years, I've been to three funerals or memorial services. Three friends died and my mom died. Very unexpectedly too. Um, in fact, none of these were remotely expected. <laughs> One of my friends killed himself when he was on vacation with loved ones. I did blows my mind. But there was a brief period when my mom, my mother, went into the hospital because she was having for basically chronic diarrhea a lot of the time. And of course, it's just very dehydrating and she was having a hard time keeping stuff down too. And so 
more than anything, she probably, we all thought, just really needed to get rehydrated, you know, through some IV fluids. And that would give her body a chance to battle whatever it's battling, frankly. And I, it was not a huge event for her to go to the emergency room. We'd never, ever thought that she would never come home. I, at least in my case, I never crossed my mind. But unfortunately, when she went into the hospital, number one, it was during COVID. So there were all these restrictions in hospitals. So my father couldn't even visit his wife of almost 50 years in the hospital. No one could visit her because of the COVID quarantines being put on everything. So she had to go and sit in her hospital room by herself. And they just started to do a number of tests and procedures that were pretty heavy duty. Um, And I'm not going to get into that, but, you know, things where you got to be, you know, put under four and stuff like that, you know, surgeries and um, pretty, what I would say, intrusive stuff. But still nothing that I don't think any of us even expected to be very serious So, I'll start with saying my regret. I unfortunately realized after my mom passed that I never told her exactly what a good mom she is. And thanked her for the times where she really did help me by doing very, very subtle things. But I remember always and will remember to the day I die that they helped so much. And she probably long since forgot about it and think anything of it, because in her mind, <laughs> she probably thought she did so little, but what she did was a lot. And I didn't get around to thinking I never did those two things until after she passed. And that opportunity had gone. That's where 
telling people what they're worth and what they're good at. When they are truly worth it and good at it, whatever it is, is so important and so important to do when you can. Because frankly, you just don't know the last time it is when you'll ever speak to somebody for the rest of your life. And I know a lot of people probably say that a lot of people have a lot of personal experiences related to that. But I don't really see regularly a lot of people overtly reaching out to tell people that they're good at something. Or that someone else is important to them. I've not really seen a lot of that, so... Even though I think that experience that I'm describing is actually pretty common, I think the reaction is very muted. And I could be wrong. I, I could be missing it. And that's all there is, but... I rarely ever come across anyone who goes out of their way to tell someone how important they are to them. And I think that's something you really need to do. And as I thought about that kind of recently, I told myself I'm not going to make that same mistake. And true to that, my father, who is still alive and spry, and actually listens to this podcast, so I always have to watch what I say. <laughs> anyway, I'll tell him here in the podcast. Where... Obviously, it's going to be on the internet and it's going to be recorded pretty much forever that he is a very good father. And I thank him for that. I've seen some pretty lousy fathers in my life, so uh, I could not even get into the 
laundry list of the things that I could thank my father for. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, just some examples. He helped to spur my curiosities when I was a kid because he was actually an engineer. Came to become an aerospace engineer, actually. Uh, was partially responsible for designing the world's first reusable spacecraft, the space shuttle. And he also did work on Apollo as well. So he's a pretty smart guy, but uh, I remember as a little kid, I nicked his... <laughs> This college, one of his old college textbooks <laughs> that I found in the house on drafting and looked into it and I realized that I really liked it and took classes in drafting and it springboarded me into this whole interest into architecture. I seriously almost went down that field for a while. I was considering it when I was younger. And it's still a very large interest of mine. And also parallel to that, he was a uh, a, uh, a general aviation general aviation pilot when he was younger, and so he kind of spurred a lot of my interest into aviation, which I still have. I mean, obviously, no, I'm not a uh, commercial pilot or anything like that. Uh, but frankly, becoming a commercial pilot was something I also considered when I was growing up to, to go into. And I even joined the uh, a uh, flying school um fraternity at uh, college, my first college, eons ago, to kind of uh, dip into that interest a little bit, and also volunteered for the United States Air Force Auxiliary Civil Air Patrol, and became a... Uh, senior officer and was versed in communications and search and rescue operations and took training in that and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Got to do security on uh, some sidelines at air shows and got access to Buckley Air Force Base and all that fun stuff. <laughs> So, yeah, he, did, he definitely spurred a lot of my interests, a lot of my cognition, and he was actually the one who was around against my dad when I first encountered racism in my life. I'll share this story as quickly as I can. 
I know, this is becoming a really long-ass <laughs> podcast. But, uh, it was years ago. I, I must have been maybe 10 at the most at the time. And I was with my father traveling in Maryland. Uh, and that's where his parents lived, actually. Uh, they didn't live there originally. He was originally born in Brooklyn, and they were in Brooklyn and Staten Island, and then they retired to Maryland. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so there was one time when we were in Maryland at just like some diner getting lunch or something. It was no big deal. It was just like a little mom-pa place somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It might have been in spring. Oh, what's that town called? Uh, in the middle of the Delmarva Peninsula. I want to say Springfield, but that's not it. Darn it, I can't think of it. Anyway, <laughs> a little town somewhere in Maryland. We're at a diner. And now, up to this point, you have to understand, I've, I've not really been exposed, I've not been exposed to racism in real life. I've heard of it, maybe, but I grew up on the mean streets of Boulder, Colorado. And as I often joke with people, Boulder, Colorado is very diverse. There are all kinds of white people living there. So anyway, that's a little wisecrack I tell people. Anyway, so that that's the background I'm coming from. I, I just never really encountered racism. It just wasn't a thing. <coughs> Pardon me. But then in uh, Maryland when I was with them, my father, the guy in the next booth, an older gentleman, struck up a conversation with my dad for no reason, I guess, a small town USA. And he just struck up a conversation or at first it was friendly. And then the guy started to kind of rant and rave uh, and I'm sorry, there's my dog shaking his collar in the background. Anyway, sorry, I'm having a dog issue right now. I'll edit that out later. Um, <laughs> anyway, there was a first apparently friendly conversation with this guy at the next booth. But then it turned somehow into, I think they were talking about the Cosby Show, which was on then. This was, I guess, in the 80s. And I, I know uh, my dad was actually a big fan of uh, that show back in the day. I, it was always on our house when it came on. <laughs> Both my parents liked it, so yeah, it, it was always on around dinner time. <laughs> anyway, um, 
But this guy started to say he didn't like it because it doesn't portray black people accurately. And I was like, what? <laughs> what was that? And the guy just went off on this, this older guy next to him just went off on this rant. A racist rant about uh, black people. And my dad taught me right there and then how to deal with a racist. <laughs> so this is my very first introduction to live racism. And I was just shocked. Like, what's going on? I've never heard this kind of crap. You know, I mean, I was insulated, right? And my dad said, I don't agree with any of that. And you better just shut up and focus on your food and don't talk to me that way or my son that way or I will throw you out of here myself. Something like that. He was very aggressive and told him to shut up and don't dare talk to us anymore about anything. Thankfully, the guy murmured something and then kept himself shut up. <laughs> and so that was my very first introduction to real life racism and how to deal with it. <laughs> so that was my dad. So thank you, Dad, for all you've done in so many ways. You're a great father. And you taught me a lot in so many ways that, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the luxury of uh, learning on their own. So, hopefully now, he'll listen to this podcast, and I won't make that same mistake again. And I'll leave it at that. Wait, I lied. It just hit me. The town's called Salisbury. Salisbury, Maryland. I think it was in Salisbury, Maryland. I think. On the middle of the Delmarva Peninsula. Peninsula. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> How to get that off my chest. <laughs> I just remembered the town. <laughs> but now I'll leave it at that.
with that all said, I think it's time to wrap it for this week's podcast. I had a few other thoughts and ideas that I thought I was also going to share, but I think I've made my point. You have to tell people their worth. You have to tell people you love them. You have to tell people when they do something good or when they're helpful. You cannot rely on others to tell them or assume they must already know this. You have a responsibility, just like I have a responsibility. To tell people these things when you have the time to do it. Otherwise, you'll be stuck with regretting never saying something and wondering if they ever knew what they meant to you. And that is by far the deepest form of regret I think a person can have. At least for me, my regret, excuse me, my regret is so often not what I did, but what I did not do when I had the time. And speaking of time, (laughs) thank you so much for staying through this podcast. If you made it this far, you might as well just move on with me and become roommates. No, uh, no, uh, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, If you made it this far, I actually sincerely thank you you for your time. See? (laughs) Be thankful. Be courteous. (laughs) But no, I always say it. I've said that many times before I shared this podcast. (laughs) But now you know why. But in all seriousness, I do thank you deeply for extending your ears to my little voice out here in the universe and to listen to my ideas and to my voice as I I guess slow march my way to infinite bliss and I really do mean that thank you for tuning in and listening. If you want to support the podcast in other ways, you can 
go to its homepage on Spotify and click on support this podcast. Or you could just go to patreon.com and slash my dog will eat my face. And just throw a shekel in for me. And in return, you get some member-only content, primarily just photos of my life and people in it and those who I care about. And most importantly, the little guy who is currently the namesake of the podcast that I have, my little dog, (laughs) who I adore (laughs) and I raised and trained him so well to impress the police. (laughs) And I've done it through positive reinforcement. I really have. I'm not making that up. That's, I never yell at my dog. I try not to. I mean, there's sometimes I slip and I go raise my voice a little bit. But usually when he hears me yell, it's me yelling at my computer. <laughs> so he, he, when I'm mad, he thankfully doesn't equate it to him me being mad at him. <laughs> Because I'm usually mad at inanimate objects. (laughs) You know, a computer or a coffee table or something. (laughs) That's what I get mad at. (laughs) That's what I yell at. Um, So thankfully, it it like doesn't even face him. But I never, I never yell at him in anger or or punish him. I just tell him through positive reinforcement what to do and what a good boy he is. And lo and behold, he is so well-trained and good. He is so good. He does the right thing when no one is looking. I mean, that's mega good. That, that I wish all people have that sense of scruples it's amazing he seriously does the right thing the good thing when no one is looking it's just so cool anyway (laughs) so you get pictures of him and me and whatever but uh all that being said, before my voice uh, completely uh, collapses in and on itself, as you can probably hear by now, <laughs> I hope to speak to you again soon, but ciao for now.